1: This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food. The wine. The entertainment. The lifestyle. This is Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. Sponsored by Vain Innovations.
2: Folks, have you been wanting to travel outside the United States, but you're a little bored with the travel destinations that you've been seeing in the newspaper and on television? How about Cuba. Well, after the diplomatic breakthrough, why not? Dave Savona, executive editor of Cigar Aficionado, has been to Cuba over a dozen times. You know, even as close as this past February. And Dave tells us it's as easy as ever if you follow just a few of his suggestions. And Dave, it's become um, a mild obsession of mine to travel to Cuba. And so uh, hopefully through your suggestions and tips and and through cigar aficionados, uh, welcome to Cuba guide. You can help us do so.
1: I'd be happy to.
2: Okay, first of all, how do you get there? What airline even flies to Cuba?
1: Well, a surprising number fly to Cuba. And the last time I went, I actually flew on an American Airlines jet, which you wouldn't think would be. No. Part of yeah they, and i flew from the miami international airport on a not a regular american airlines flight it's not like flying to you know dallas or new york or l a but it was a charter flight operated by a company out of miami and uh... it's a forty five minute flight and it uh... was fairly easy Now, not anyone can just pick up the phone and and jump on the flight there's a couple things you have to do if you're not a journalist if you don't have family back in uh... back in cuba if you don't have uh you know a religious reason to go or one of the other um, uh, authorized reasons you, what, the easiest way to go is on a so-called uh... people to people visit where you operate with a uh, a company that has a uh an itinerary that's a, a approved by the US government and you're able to go on a, a sort of a fact-finding mission to uh, see what's going on in Cuba, typically in Havana and also other places in Cuba as well.
2: How do you find these people-to-people trips?
1: We recommend a couple of, in, uh, of them in the magazine in the June issue of Cigar Aficionado. Uh One of the biggest ones, the one that's been doing it for an awful long time, is called Insight Cuba, uh, and they're easy to find on the web. Uh, they're U.S.-based. Uh, they've been doing this for a long time, and they do a really good job of bringing people to Cuba, which is a marvelous place and something that uh, we, we hope all our readers can experience.
2: Now, once you're in Cuba, um, I mean, are my American Express, Visa, credit cards, are those accepted? What, what type of monetary exchange do I use?
1: Sure. Well, as of... Uh, December 17th, uh, President Obama said, okay, we're going to allow U.S. credit cards to work in Cuba. Uh, Big landmark decision. That became a law on January 16th. So as of Jan 16, your American credit cards were legal to use in Cuba. It's a little bit more convoluted than that. The uh, American Express didn't have any merchants in Cuba at that time, as you can imagine. MasterCard was just getting set up. Yeah, so uh, they're starting to work now, Uh, but the reality is, in Cuba, there just aren't that many places that are ready to accept a credit card, uh, even uh, regardless of the legality. It's largely a cash economy, Cuba, regardless of the law. Uh, So, aside from the big hotels where your credit card can be accepted, any restaurant, uh, your cigar car shops, certainly any, uh, any shops on the streets, you're really talking about cash. And it's not American dollars anymore. It's the Cuban national currency geared for travelers called the Cuban convertible peso.
2: Okay. And you get that where when you try, in the airport?
1: Yeah, the airports have, uh, currency changing places. You can't get it in the airport in the United States because the Cuban convertible peso is, uh, artificially pegged one to one to the U.S. dollar. Uh, so, uh, it's, it's not a freely traded currency. So you can't get them in the United States. Once you get to Cuba, uh, you can do it in the airport. Uh, you can do it at, uh, certainly any hotel. Change your U.S. dollars into what they call kooks, CUCs, CUCs. And, uh, the, the, the bad part is, you lose 13% of your money. when
3: Wow.
1: You yeah, Cuba's oh. more expensive than you might think. So right off the top, you're losing 13% of your money.
2: Holy cow. Okay. Now, I'm hoping, I'm picturing in my head, probably, you know, old Havana. I don't want things to change. I want, I want what I've pictured in my head where it's just frozen in time. Is that what I'm going to get when I go
1: that's, that's precisely what you're going to get. Oh. Havana is frozen in time, especially the part of Old Havana, which is known as Habana Vieja. And I tell you, I've been there since 1996. I've gone a number of times. Every time I go, walking through Old Havana, those very narrow streets, the cobblestones beneath my feet, the beautiful stone buildings. Yes. I, I just can't help going into tourist mode myself. I go there at least once a year, but I, I, it's, it's an absolutely beautiful place. And it's like a snapshot looking back into the 1990s. 1950s or even before.
2: Now, I don't want to see a McDonald's start to show up on street corners. I mean, is is that going to start happening now that we have this that we have this diplomatic breakthrough with the United States and Cuba?
1: You know, I don't uh, sad to say, I think it's probably not that far in the future where you do see a McDonald's in Havana and a Starbucks on the corners. <laughs> And it'll be one part sad because it'll be changing uh, what's a beautiful place, but it'll also be one part happy because the the people of Cuba right really have been left behind. And and you know, regardless of your thoughts of McDonald's and Starbucks, uh, change has to come to that country for the people of Cuba. So uh, as much as I don't want Cuba to change, I don't want to see the franchises there. I think that's something that's going to happen in the future. Uh, Sad for us, maybe good for the people of Havana.
2: Now, what about amenities as far as hotels? And uh, do they have uh, what we would consider uh, three star hotels? Uh, what are the amenities like?
1: Uh, the amenities are getting better. Uh, Cuba is, uh, especially the the capital city of Havana. It's it's made for tourists. It's a okay. big city, and uh, in our June issue, we recommended eleven hotels, and four of them we gave our top rating, our editor's pick. Wow! Yeah, and those editor's picks are very very good. I think anyone would be happy staying there, uh, ranging in quality from the the best we find is a ninety six room property called the Saratoga which has a gorgeous bar, very good service. Uh it's got a rooftop a terrace that overlooks the Cuban Capitol building and the old Partigas cigar factory. It's really a stunning place. And uh you know that's I would call that a, a, a hotel that you'd be probably happy at if it was in the United States. It's almost at that top level of service. That said, there are a number of properties to avoid in Cuba, especially some of the older hotels that really haven't uh, been renovated. There, there's a couple of places that are famous names, like the uh, the Nacional, which is just a grand, beautiful place to look at from the outside, but it, it's really in need of a little help on the inside. Mm-hmm. And then places like the Habana Libre, which was the old Hilton property before its name was changed during the uh, revolution, and that really has been left far behind in time. I and mean, There's places to avoid in Cuba. You really want to uh, check things out first and be careful where you stay because you could be disappointed with a, a place that's in desperate need of renovation.
2: Okay. What about the cuisine in different parts of Cuba?
1: I have to say the cuisine in Cuba, it's never been better. Uh, back in my first visit in 1996, the, the choices were extremely limited. I uh, think of sitting in a clinical setting under harsh fluorescent lighting. Oh uninspired service and just some simple grilled fare and maybe some rice and beans.
2: Because they were limited to what they could just produce right there, correct?
1: Uh, of course. Uh, and, you know, it's it's hard to complain as a tourist when, you know, the locals are getting even right. less than you. But what's happened in uh, recent years is Cuba has instituted a, a bit of private enterprise, which is unusual for a communist country, but uh, people can open up their own private restaurants. Uh, they call them paladars, and uh, it's really a, a very good way to dine in cuba we recommend twenty six restaurants in our june issue and i have to tell you i ate very very well on my last trip to havana everything from uh, delicious italian food new place called corte del principe run by a uh, an Italian. It looks like he's right out of Central Casting. Named Sergio makes incredible <laughs> pasta and uh, octopus carpaccio. Wow! And then there's oh, it's uh, the food's wonderful down there. They, I even found a place that made incredible um, uh, grilled ribs uh, out in the uh, marina near the marina Hemingway in a town called Cojimar.
2: Oh. oh wow! Well, okay. So everybody knows that the Cuban cigar is the holy grail of cigars. So cigar tours. Can you go on cigar tours and can you bring anything home?
1: Uh, you can go on cigar tours and now you can bring something home. The cigar scene is wonderful in Cuba. Uh, it's uh, it's covered with beautiful cigar shops, and each of them are really set up for people to, to linger—not just to, to buy a cigar, but to sit back, relax. You have a, like an icy mojito or a good glass of rum on the rocks while you're smoking your Monte Cristo or Cohiba. Uh, they're very nice places, and the prices are very good. You know, for seven, eight, nine dollars, you can get an excellent Cuban cigar in uh, in Havana. And now, thanks to these changes from uh, from uh, President Obama's speech and the changes he has enacted, you can bring back some Cuban goods. Before um, January, when these changes went into effect, mm-hmm. uh, you could, if you were going on a, a trip to Cuba, an authorized trip, you right could not bring anything back, not a, not a drop of alcohol, not a single cigar, uh, nothing of Cuban origin. Now it's uh, $400 worth of Cuban goods you're allowed to bring back, and there's a $100 limit on uh, cigars or alcohol. I, when I go, I, I choose to bring back the cigars. I brought back cigars on my last trip uh, legally uh, through customs, and I kept it under the $100 limit.
2: We have about a minute left, Dave, but what makes this, the Cuban cigar just the coup de gras?
1: Ah, uh, cuban cigars it's really the birthplace of cigar production handmade cigar production so the people there have been doing it for a long time and it really comes down to the tobacco Cuba is the largest island in the caribbean but the best cigar tobacco comes from far out west in the province called pinar del rio and it's out there that combination of uh... clay-like soil the microclimate, the technique of the farmers who have passed down tips from generation to generation, all comes together for a marvelous product. These cigars are made only with tobacco, so the beautiful Cuban tobacco comes together in a handmade cigar, and you really can't replicate it anywhere else in the world.
2: I just picture these old ladies rolling these cigars, licking the edges. Is that how it's done?
1: They roll the cigars. They, they hopefully don't lick the edges, though. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is a beautiful scene to see, to see the cigars being made by hand in an artisanal fashion that hasn't changed in uh, in more than 100 years.
2: Well, we urge people, if you're a cigar smoker or not, to pick up the June issue of Cigar Aficionado, Welcome to Cuba, because it has uh, everything you need to know and more about uh, Cuba and what's happening uh, in their newfound uh freedom, almost. So, uh, Dave Sonoma, thank you so much for joining us in the studio, and we hope to have you on after your next trip to Cuba so you can enlighten us on the changes.
1: Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here.
2: Thank you. You've been listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And welcome back to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton, and this week we are talking travel. So we need to check in with our resident flight attendant, Lily Meyer, and Lily has packing tips for us today. So what are they, Lily? Yes, I do, Belinda. I've been doing this for a while. When you are packing your suitcase,
4: you want to make sure you have room to fit everything that you want in there. So roll all of your knit clothes if you can. Make sure that you're packing any socks or any pantyhose into your shoes. That's going to save you some space. Um, It's also good to wear your bulkiest items the day that you travel. So your biggest shoes, also your biggest sweater, even if it's summertime. Just think about the difference between the temperature outside and when you get on the aircraft. It's freezing. So you're going to want that sweater. Um, Another really nice thing to do in your suitcase is put a dryer sheet in there. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So
2: everything smells really nice.
4: Yeah. Keep the fresh laundry smell going. I always enjoy doing that. And if you're going to have a smaller carry-on, you know, that might be gate checked if you can't have control over that. Keep all of the things that you're going to want, like your medicines and your documents, your phone charger, up near the top so that you can grab them at the last second because those things go very quick and it's very hectic right there at the gate.
2: Now, what about TSA? What can help us go through the line as quickly as possible?
4: TSA has a program now called PreCheck. What PreCheck does is you do pay a fee, and you uh, go through a um, background check, and it means that domestically you don't have to take off your shoes, you don't have to take your liquids bag out of your carry-on, you don't have to take your belts off, that sort of thing, and it really speeds it up. So... they have their own dedicated lines and it saves you a lot of time and if you spend thirty dollars more you can get global entry and that is like pre-check for the whole world. So you do this online? Yeah you do it online you make an appointment and then you usually have to go to an airport to um, meet with them in person, show your passport and if they have any questions they need to ask you. And most airports are recognizing this so it's, it's yeah, yeah. It's a TSA directive, so I mean, they will either have a dedicated line or a dedicated security checkpoint just for pre-check. And imagine if
2: you're running late for a flight, this can mean the difference in you making your flight and not. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. So, what can make our flight a uh, smoother, as uh, from the eyes of a flight attendant? I would say do prepare
4: for the climate inside the airplane. I always have a pashmina scarf on me. It's something that I can use not just as a scarf, but I can use it as a blanket on my legs if I'm cold, wrap it around my shoulders. I can use it as um, lumbar support if I need a little bit of extra something there. It's good, you know, to supplement or use as a neck pillow. So I always recommend having a pashmina. Um, bring socks just because your feet will get cold. Um, and people don't understand always where the germs and the sickness that, you know, you get those nasty plane bugs, mm-hmm. where that comes from. It's not actually the air. The air, when it's recycled through the cabin, goes through HEPA filters, so it's clean so that the smallest microbes are not going to bother you. It's that person next to you hacking up a lung. It is, and it's them hacking up their lung and then touching the armrest that you share with them. So I bring Purell wipes, and I wipe down my armrests, I wipe down my seatbelt buckle, my air vent, my tray table, just to kind of get anything that
2: I'm going to be touching repeatedly. That makes total sense. And who cares what you look like when you're doing it?
4: Oh, no, people <laughs> people do think it's funny. But then I'll say, no, I'm a flight attendant, I
2: promise. And then they're all usually like, oh, can I have one? <laughs> Just share your Purell. <laughs> Lily Meyer, thank you, our resident flight attendant with our travel tips. Folks, check in with us often on BelindaSkeleton.com for more travel tips. You've been listening to Atlanta Living only on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB.
1: This is News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And this is Atlanta. The food. The wine. The entertainment. The lifestyle. This is Melinda Skelton's Atlanta Living. Sponsored by Vane Innovations.
2: And welcome back to Atlanta Living. I'm your host, Belinda Skelton. I'm looking at the radar, and so far right now, it's looking completely clear. And Brad Nitz said, uh, you know, maybe some scattered showers, but nothing big today and, and tonight. And that sounds really good, because I'm taking about 10 13-year-old boys to the Silverbacks soccer game tonight. So, um, don't want that to be spoiled. No, no, no. So it's time to start thinking about your summer vacation now you know those are precious days your summer vacation so you want all the info you can get right now and we are gonna get you some of the most unusual places to stay and it's all about making memories right well the editor of Travel Girl magazine Jan Schroeder, is in the studio with places that I have never heard of in my life Jan well, Welcome to the studio.
3: Thank you. This one's going to be fun. We have a lot of really fun places I can tell you
2: about. Well, most of Well, they're all inside the United States and a lot of them close to home.
3: Yes, that's right. We've got a couple right here in Georgia. Okay, this one's really fun. There's a place called the Rock Ranch, which was actually started by the Kathy family, the Chick Fil A. Yeah, I'm sure we both contributed a little bit to that, sure writing all our all our sandwiches and chicken biscuits. Okay, so they have a 1,500 acre cattle ranch. It's about a one and a half hours south of Atlanta. Well, here's the cool thing: you can do there. You can stay in a Conestoga wagon, like the pioneers used to. Ride in from the 18th and 19th century, so you can grab your family. They each one sleeps eight people. They've got four sets of bunk beds, and they come with firewood and picnic tables and lanterns. You do have to use the porta potty, <laughs> but uh, you can even and then you can sit around the campfire and you can add on things like a hot dog dinner, or you can even add a storyteller or an astronomer.
2: That would be way cool. Yeah, it's a really
3: family-oriented place. There's lots of other things to do there. They've got a train and a zip line and paddle boats and things like that. So you really can sit around the campfire. That'd be good quality time all in one covered wagon and live like the pioneers. Cozy quarters for the family, but... You know, you could probably do it for a couple of nights, right? I could do
2: that for a couple of nights, yes. Now, folks, if you have unusual places that you've stayed, we'd love to hear about that. 404 872 0750. That's four oh four eight seven two zero seven fifty. And you have a you have a really cool one, a TP. Yes,
3: you can actually stay in teepees. This is near Lula, Georgia, like heading up north, with North Georgia Georgia Canopy Tours. They have seven teepees, and they're named after the seven clans of the Cherokees. But these are a little fancier than what those guys used to stay in, because they do have air conditioning and heating and lighting, electrical (laughs) outlets, (laughs) so you can still charge up your phone or your iPad. It's the best of both worlds. Exactly. And up there, they do have a zip line tour, and they've got just golf and the two-mile hikes. So there's a few other things to do as well. And if you want to order breakfast, you can, so they'll bring you breakfast in your teepee in the morning.
2: Oh, how cool is that? So these prices that I'm seeing for this, pretty reasonable. Yeah,
3: well, like the wagons were 2 25 a night, but again, that sleeps eight people. Yeah. And then... The TPs they start at just $90 for a couple. So that's not bad at all and they do have a larger TP where you can fit your whole family.
2: That's fun. And like I said, it's all about making memories and you're going to you're going to remember that a lot more than you would the I don't want to name a brand, but you know, <laughs> the uh the the We'll leave the light on for you. Right. Uh, <laughs> that on every exit that you come to, so right. that'd be a lot of memories come from that one. The ones that all look exactly the same. Exactly. All
3: right. These are some really fun ones. Have you ever wanted to stay in a treehouse?
2: I've always
3: wanted a treehouse, so yes. So if you can't have one in your own backyard, you can go stay in one. So there's actually one in Atlanta, believe it or not. And it's not too far from the station. Really? It's from in here? An, from here. It's probably about 10 minutes. And you would never know it's there, but it's sort of tucked back in this neighborhood near Collier Road. Okay, that's really close and to you, my house. Yes. Maybe a little nighttime, a little getaway. So it's a, it's behind a family home, and it's got three rooms. Are with, you kidding me? Filled with antiques. Oh, wow. And they rent it? They rent it out. It's a little pricier than the other ones. It's $350 a night. But for that, you can sleep under the stars, and they'll bring you breakfast in the morning. So it truly is a, well, a tree bed and breakfast. It really is. And it's actually, I've actually in this before because i know the guy who owns it i have not spent the night but i did did sit in it one time and it's really lovely because it is nestled among the trees so you do feel like you're really far away but you can actually still walk to restaurants from there so what do you do for the facilities i believe you do my you do have to go in the home i believe okay and these and actually i just want to mention this one and the other two also these are all on my uh, blog at janschroeder.com so you can find links to these places and get and get a little more information.
2: Okay, Jan, we have a caller on the line that has an unusual place. Let's see. Don in Rome, you're on WSB. How are you, Don? Doing great. How are you? Good. What do you have for us? Uh
5: the hike inn. It's a little inn on almost the Springer Mountain just past Amicalola Falls. Uh-huh. Uh, they do have hot showers and restrooms, and the, uh, there's a dinner provided as part of your occupancy. It's about $100 for one person, $150 for two. And basically, you get a little room with two bunks and a light bulb. They don't have electricity for your phone. They encourage you to leave all that at home. And uh, it's a light to moderate hike there, and you're about halfway to Springer Mountain, which is the start of the Appalachian Trail.
2: Oh, that's very cool. And so right. you hike in, and then they feed you dinner.
5: They feed you dinner. Oh, that's very cool. Stay that night. You can head out the next morning or stay a few nights. It's uh, very, very beautiful. It has a uh, beautiful shot overlooking the Wanaka. Uh, the horizon, you see the sunrise coming up towards that direction. But it's out there. It's uh, pretty friendly for people who aren't your you know, avid outdoor hikers. But it's a way to get out and get away from everything.
2: And how do you make reservations for that?
5: You can go to hikein.com and... Uh, Usually they ask that you call to make reservations because it takes pretty much, obviously. I don't think they have internet for so that. Okay. Up on uh, it's used, they do accept walk-ins, but they encourage you to call ahead because it's a thing to walk five miles when we find out they're full.
2: Okay, mm-hmm. excellent. Thanks for the suggestion, Don. That's great. So uh, hikein.com, check that one out. You have to pack light for that one, Right. <laughs> Yeah. Remember, what you have to pack in, you have to pack out. That's right. Okay. What else do you have
3: for us, Jan? Well, speaking of tree houses, there are some other tree houses near Whitesburg, Georgia. And these look so cute. I would love to stay here. So it's where they have the world's longest zip line, Banning Mills. And
2: people don't realize that it's this close to us. That's just about um, an hour what south of Atlanta, maybe, toward Pine Mountain and Callaway Gardens. So that's pretty close. Yeah,
3: so that's an easy getaway. So they've got these really cute tree houses. So they have a king bed, a f- log fireplace, a jetted tub for two, a private bathroom, then a covered deck that overlooks a gorge. It sounds oh, wow. really romantic. And those
2: start at 209. That's That would be wonderful. And then you could, you know, zip line during the day and, and then go to Callaway Gardens. So you could make several days out of that trip. Yeah, you could. That'd be a lot of fun. Okay, now here's
3: a really crazy one. This one is underwater. No, thank you. I I mean, really. This is the only one in the world, and it's in Florida, and it's called Jewels Undersea Lodge. And you literally, you do have to go through scuba diving training, (laughs) which you can do there, even to get into the hotel.
2: I I don't know. I'm a little tight-chested just thinking about it.
3: I don't think I could do it. I love looking at the photo because you lie in the bed and you look up and you see all these fish there, but I don't think it would be for me. But if it is for you, so you dive down about 20, 30 feet, you go in the lodge, and then they actually do deliver pizza to you, hot delivery pizza for dinner. Uh huh. And they bring in a, a waterproof <laughs> box, and it actually has a kitchen down there and a TV and has two bedrooms. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Actually, they
2: had a couple that set a world record because they stayed there for seventy three days. So, did they just find a cave, or did they dig down? How did they do this? Well, it's
3: it's a like a structure that was. I don't know. I guess it was a man made structure that they have down there, and it's just on the bottom of the water. Oh, I, I, I don't
2: know. You know, I don't like tunnels.
3: Yeah, I don't I don't think that would be for me. I want a,
2: I want a quick exit if I have to get out. That's right. I can't hold my breath that long. <laughs> Y'all go and tell us how it is. It sounds very exciting though. Well, okay, here's
3: one. This one's in Arizona, but this one sounds like so much fun to me. So you know these airstream trailers that people have. Oh, they are so back in style. They really are. It's funny how they're They were really big, and now they're back in. We actually have a friend who has one he takes to music festivals. Well, if you've ever wanted to stay in one, you go to this place called the Shady Dell. It's in Bisbee, Arizona, and they have nine trailers. They're not all Airstreams. They're different ones, but they're all vintage, so from the 40s and the 50s. And so you go and stay in one of these, and they have all the comforts of the 50s, and they've got one that's... a a 1947 airporter bus, and it's turned into a Polynesian palace. So you even have a tiki bar in there. How fun
2: is that? How fun. <laughs> so you can stay in these. And I see the rates are around 90 bucks, and it comes with um, all your linens, towels, dishes, and a percolator coffee. That's right, because remember, we're talking 50s. We didn't have Mr. Coffee back then. That's hysterical. That is great. So um, that's uh, the Shady Dell in Bisbee, Arizona. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have a few more ideas for you, out-of-the-box locations for you to stay on your memorable vacation with uh, your family this summer. So stay tuned. You're listening to News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB.
1: Now back to Belinda Skelton.
2: Thanks, Scott. And we're talking about unusual places to stay uh, this summer on your holiday vacation. And we were talking about the Shadydale Trailer. I don't know if you call it a trailer park, but it's Airstream Trailers. Uh, they're back in vogue. And um, this park is in Arizona, and you can stay uh, in Bisbee, Arizona. You can stay in these refurbished 1940s and 50s Airstreams. And so... Um, I just found out that Kate Pearson of the B-52s, she also runs a really cool Airstream trailer hotel called Lazy Meadow. So you can check that out. How cool would those be? I would love that. There's so much money in restoring those old Airstreams. Okay, what else do you have for me, Jan? Okay, this wins the Craziest Place to Stay
3: award for today. It is called the Dog Park Bark Inn, and it's in Cottonwood, Idaho. Okay, so there is these two chainsaw artists who are married <laughs> to each other. They carve. I hope they don't dogs. piss
2: each other off. <laughs>
3: <laughs> really, you have to stay in line when you stay yeah. here. <laughs> so. They went on QVC selling their little wooden carved dogs, and then they spent 18 months straight carving little wooden dogs. Well, then they made so much money, they decided they're going to carve a great big dog. So they carved a 30 foot high beagle who they call Sweet Willie. Well, not only does he look cute, you can stay inside of Sweet Willie. Oh, my God. They've got bedroom, they've got room for four people in there, a king size bed that's got carvings of dogs on the headboard of Uh course so you you walk up to a second story deck and you walk in and stay inside a sweet willy oh how funny and it's actually pretty affordable if you ever find yourself out in idaho it starts at 92 (laughs) dollars a night and they deliver breakfast to you with some homemade
2: granola You know what? Um, So it's posted on my website um, or my Twitter page, WSB Belinda. And so some people are like, oh, that's the closest Belinda's family it's ever going to be to a dog. (laughs) Ha ha, y'all are funny. Okay. (laughs) Well, if
3: you did have a dog, you actually could take it to the end. Okay.
2: So, what are some more great places?
3: Okay, so this is really cool. You can actually be a lighthouse keeper. If you've ever had this fantasy that you want to work in a lighthouse, you can stay in the Rose Island Lighthouse. It's near Newport, Rhode Island. So you can actually be
2: the lighthouse
3: operator. So
2: I would be responsible for ships not running ashore? I'm not sure you have quite that level of responsibility. Okay, Okay, good.
3: Uh, Well, I would hope not, but... Uh, so it's on an 18-acre island, and this lighthouse was built in 1869. It fell into disrepair, but then in the 1980s, these volunteers came along, and they started a nonprofit and they restored it. So... You have two options if you stay there. They have a museum. You can stay in the museum where they have a bedroom there. But the only thing about that, you have to wait till the museum closes. And then the next day, you have to change your sheets and make your bed before it opens again at 10 o'clock. And put all the postcards back. That's right. Or you can actually stay upstairs where you're a keeper for a
2: week. I'll, I'll choose Keeper for a week. Yes. Okay, Jan Schroeder with Travel Girl Magazine. Thank you so much. How do we get in touch with you, and where do we find these on your website? So these are all in my Girl on the Go blog, and that's Com Thank you so much. Always fun time with you. Coming up next, folks, Bob Diener. He started Hotel.com and now he started GetARoom.com. So we're going to save you uh, money on those traditional hotel rooms. So stay tuned. More Atlanta living coming your way.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.